is the Flex Network. <laughs> this is the Flex Network. Flex on them. Flex on everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Flex Network. I'm your host, Flex Shane. You can follow me on Twitter at the Flex Network One. Today I'm joined, of course, by Mike Dickinson. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike underscore Dickinson. Mike, what the hell's going on, brother? What's up, dude? It's Super Bowl week. I'm super stoked. Um, my, as you know, probably by the beanie I normally wear, I'm an Eagles guy, but my first non-Eagles team and the first non-Eagles team that I rooted for was the 1989 Cincinnati Bengals with Boomer Esiason and Icky Woods. So I'm stoked. It's been a little bit of my – I've been slightly super fan biased by Cincinnati this entire way through, but I'm just – I'm stoked for them. It's Super Bowl week. I'm excited for it. So I can't remember. At the start of the playoffs, I know you definitely called the Cincinnati Bengals going to the AFC Championship. Did you call them in the Super Bowl? I can't remember. I did, yeah. I called you did. Brandon. Yeah, Brandon. Brandon was Chiefs 49ers, and I went the opposite way. I went, I went Bengals Rams. I like that, man. It's uh it's gonna be a fun game, dude. It's gonna be a fun game. I I I don't know if the Bengals are gonna be able to keep up with with LA. I mean, LA's defense is I, I think just too good, just too powerful. And man, they're not gonna be like the Chiefs, they're not gonna fold and just absolutely do absolutely nothing. In, in an entire half of the game, but I, we talked about it the other day. It's like with my, for my heart, I'm cheering for the Bengals just because it's a cool story. But for my head, I think that the Rams are going to take it down. Yeah, I think the only thing that the only thing that kind of gives me pause is the fact that every single person is on the Rams. Like every single no, person know. that was on NFL yeah. radio and on fantasy radio yesterday was Rams, 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 Rams. Some of them are multiple touchdowns. So that's kind of like. At, it feels like those Super Bowls where everybody was on the Patriots and the Giants took them down twice. The Eagles took them down. You know, the Falcons had them. The Falcons had them on the ropes. So I I, I get it. And I, I completely understand why you would, you know, you see the mismatches. You see the the Rams D-line versus the versus the Bengals O-line. And this will, uh, spoiler, one of my props is based on based on that kind of matchup. <laughs> but like it's, it, it doesn't, it doesn't look like it makes sense, but nothing about this playoff run for these guys has made sense. No. And the one thing that I will say is it was only it was two years ago when Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase played on the biggest stage you possibly could as college football players and took down a national title. And I'm not saying that a national title game has the, all the pomp and circumstance of a Super Bowl, but them playing an, on a national stage like that with all that at stake is much fresher and much more recent in their memory than like a guy like Cooper Cup has never had to play for that, you know. I don't know if Odell played on one with the with the Giants. I know Von Miller won one, but there's not a ton of guys on the Rams that have that super recent experience. No, not really. I mean, well, I mean, the Rams were in the Super Bowl a few years back, but they were. But who, there, but who, but who's left? Like Goff is Goff is gone. A couple yeah. Cup was there. Um, Woods is injured. OBJ's there. You know, Van Jefferson wasn't drafted then. Akers wasn't on the team. Henderson was on the team, but Gurley was the feature back. You know, Sonny Michelle wasn't on that team. Like a lot of those. There's not a ton of guys that that were there. Yeah, no, you're but, right. It's it's. Just, I mean, the coaching staff, or obviously Sean McVay was there, and uh, man, the, the problem with that game against the Patriots was they couldn't they couldn't freaking score. So yeah. I, I don't think that's going to be a problem this year. They have a pretty electric offense. Bali, what's going on, brother? We haven't seen you in a little while. Thanks for coming in. He's asking. He, he wants to stalk you. What city are you from, Mike? <laughs> 
I am in coastal Delaware. So I live in a town called Lewis, L-E-W-E-S. The first town in the first state. There you go. There you go. Uh, yeah, man. So so today, uh, we I mean, we got to talk Super Bowl a little bit, right? We'll talk about some of your just general uh, game props. And then maybe we'll do a live slip on the air for uh, on a FanDuel slip. Or, just, you know, or not FanDuel, excuse me, an underdog slip. You know, just because. Why not? But yeah. really what I care about right now, I mean, look, Super Bowl is here. It's nice. It's exciting whatever it's one game right i'm i'm fully in best ball mode um i have uh, i'm currently in three active best balls i like to do the slow ones and underdog and um there's some pretty interesting adps and so you you uh brandon and i were in a group chat together and i'm constantly asking you guys what do you guys think about this what do you you guys think about that let's give the people what we what they want right what the hell do we think about some of those plays so we'll start the show we'll go through some of these super bowl prop bets and then we're going to go and uh, talk a little bit about underdog ADPs. And that's it. We'll call it a show. Sweet. So, all right, brother. So, okay. First thing I do want to talk to you about, though, is um, do, do you watch any of these, uh, like, the player awards at all? I mean, obviously, Aaron Rodgers won his second MVP in a row. That's pretty impressive, right? Yeah. His outfit, think- his suit was not impressive. His suit oh, was... Oh, God. The hair. <laughs> it's just like, dude, the, the look he's got going I. Well, I just don't get it. Aaron Rodgers, I get you trying to be unique, but I just, I don't get it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, I, but, I generally don't watch those shows. I don't watch no. the NFL award shows, Grammys, uh, Oscars, Emmy Awards, none of that stuff. I mean, the award shows are pretty, I mean, like I'm talking about the NFL, the NFL award show. It is what it is, right? Yeah. You, you go and you get the highlights, but to go and actually watch something like that is pretty boring. But I mean, we talked about it. Joe Burrow was, was the um, comeback player of the year. Jamar mm-hmm. Chase was the offensive rookie of the year, which of course, uh, Micah Parsons, defensive rookie of the year, all very, uh, very deserving, which which is pretty crazy. But I gotta, do you, do you think Jamar Chase is going to be able to keep this up like consistently every year with T Higgins on the team? Like, do you think this is it? I I think his his accept his acceptable range of outcomes and his expected range of outcomes over the next two to three seasons is a top five wide receiver. Yeah. I mean, there, I think that, I think that that team will look to shore up the offensive line to ease up on some of the number of hits that Joe Burrow's taken Yeah, in that that'll, it'll create more time for him to work and it'll strengthen the running game, which only is going to strengthen the passing game. So, you know, they are that you, you look at, uh, you look at Zach Taylor's pedigree. He comes out of Sean McVay's offense. So, you know, he comes kind of from that coaching tree. So it, the, the offense is built into his DNA. Like he want, they want to have a run, a high flying, high scoring, <clears throat> productive offense. So I, I can't say whether or not Jamar Chase is going to get hurt. None of us can say that, but I yeah. think that if you're asking me if I think this offense is built to sustain two top 10 and possibly one top five wide receiver for the foreseeable future, I think the answer to that is pretty safely. Yes. That's that's fantastic. I mean, really what it comes down to is like right now, the conversation between the Dynasty 101 at wide receiver is Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson. I agree with you. I mm-hmm. think it's Jamar Chase. I think it's fantastic. Let's get to some of these props, brother. Okay, so on Underdog, we don't they don't sponsor us, but they are doing a, a promo right now where if you go on, one of their uh, special prop bets is Joe Burrow uh, over under one pass yard. So it's pretty much a gimme. Which exactly is it's what gets you in, right? It's what gets you in. Yeah. So I want to get your thoughts on some of these props um, for the game. So one that I p- found quite interesting is that it's it's Cam Makers over under 0.5 rush plus reception TD. So basically, is Cam Makers going to get in the box? My question hmm. to you is, yeah, 
Are you over or under that? Do you think Cam's going to score? Uh, I'm under that. Yeah, under, oh, interesting. Why is that? Yeah. I, I just think that, I mean, they, they activated the Rail Henderson off IR. Yep. His, his yards per carry has been under three the course of the playoffs. Um, I think that that, I think the goal line work will go to Sonny Michelle. I think the passing, the passing, the uh, Darrell Henderson could eat into his passing work. And I think that they, they're seeing that they can win without he's, he's had volume, but he hasn't had production. So I think that they're going to, they're going to kind of pivot off that. They'll say, you know what? We got Darrell Henderson. He's back. Michelle has produced for us. And I think they'll kind of ride the hot hand. And honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if one of those two got going early and it kind of forced acres back into the background. Okay, so I, I, I'm just gonna follow Mike here because Mike is I, you're the MD, Doctor Dick Insin, the man with the plan. I'm going under Cam Maker, zero point five rushing yards. I kind of hope you're wrong. Actually, you know what? I hope you're right. I hope you're right because I want the luster just just a little bit to come off Cam Maker so that he continues yeah. to fall in those drops. Drop his price a little bit, man. Yeah, exactly. Um, here, okay, so with that in mind, then Cam Akers, sixteen rush attempts. So, over under well again if henderson if they hadn't activated henderson i would probably be pushed over because i think he's been over he's been over their last two games hasn't he even though his production close, hasn't been yeah. there, he, the, the volume's been there so i, I think henderson coming back I, i'm i'm gonna push under on that as well baby we're going under damn crazy it's not okay. fun bet it's not fun no it's, it's not it's a not fun, fun bet let's, let's move on to some of these fun bets okay uh cooper cup his 8.5 receptions over or under that. I think that one's got to be an over, right? That's got to be over. He's going He's going up against Eli Apple. Yeah, that's an over. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So Cooper Cup, 108.5 reception yards. That's one I'm not going to play because that's just yeah. too close. To me, that's too yeah, close. I, honestly, I think a lot of these, like listening to listening to the radio and hearing, hearing the analysts that actually get paid and know what they're doing talk about <laughs> this stuff. Um, a lot of these are a lot of these are right on. Like I think that the Cam yeah. Akers rushing yards prop, I think that that's a that if it's still at sixty three and a half, that's definitely one to, to take the it under is, on. Yeah. Um, but the the Cooper Cup one feels close to me. Do you close like enough the, that I don't feel comfortable hedging one way or the other? Fair enough. Do you like the Cam Akers sixty three point five over under under better than the touchdown under, or do you like the touchdown under better? Yeah. I like the, the I like the the rushing yard better than the than okay, the touchdown better. That one because apparently I can only play. Ah, uh, here we go. I gotta get rid of this puppy. All right, I'm gonna do this one. Apparently, I can only play one of each, so I'm gonna do that. The sixty-three point five rush yards under. Boom. All right. Okay, let's talk a little bit about the Bengals. All right. So, Joe Burrow, thirty-five point five pass attempts over under. Whew. I that's too I think that's that's about right. That's a little too close for me to feel comfortable with. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't bet that one either. All right. Okay. Joe Burrow, 288.5 total yards. I see, I think that's a pretty safe under. But all it takes is a couple long completions to yeah. Jamar, and it's like that's it, you're done. Yeah, I, I think I might stay away from that one. All right. Uh, okay, let's move. <laughs> okay, what well, about this? Is good. This is good. I mean, if it's too damn close, and these are the things that uh, gamers are going to want to avoid, man. Joe Mixon, sixteen point five rush attempts. I would probably take the under in that as well. Yeah, I think he's. What's he done the last? What's he done for the course of the playoffs? 
not much, man, because they keep getting away from the game plan. Yeah, and I think that's that I think too, I think too that you're going to see him stay in in pass pro, and and even if it's just a, you know even if it's to be a, you know a sixth or a seventh blocker, I don't think you're going to see a ton of production out of the tight ends. I don't know. Uzoma sounds like he's going to play, but honestly, hmm. you could see a lot of twelve personnel. Um, which yeah. if they're if they if they're in twelve, then that's fine. That could that could push Mixon's way, but I mean they could go in twelve. They could go in twelve with T Higgins and and Jamar Chase, and they want to, and want to air it out. So I, I I think I'm under I'm under on both of the mix and under on the under on the yards and under on the the carries. Okay, this is the, this is the money one. Jamar Chase, this is this seems low. Damn, eighty four point five rush plus reception yards. That one's what's Tyler? What's T Higgins? Seventy three reception yards. I feel better about T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. Over or under? Over. Okay, so I'm gonna take that one over 73.5. Okay, so I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna do a 10 times payout. We got okay, here we go. We, so we you go. think? I mean, my my rationale is that that Higgins uh, that Higgins is not gonna see Ramsey as much. So if you think Ramsey's yeah. gonna be on Chase, then you take Higgins. If you think Ramsey's gonna play a side and they're gonna be able to scheme Chase away from Ramsey. Then you take Chase, if if and and based off of how I'm playing it, I think that it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be in the you know 24, 21, 27, 24 somewhere in that neighborhood, which yeah. means Cincinnati's probably going to have to throw to to keep pace. Which means one, two of those guys are going to go. Whether it's Chase and Higgins, whether it's Higgins and Boyd, all depends on what you think is going to happen with uh, with Jalen Ramsey. I I think that he's going to shout Jamar. I mean, look, uh, yeah. it's it's, it's going to be tough. I mean, you've got two alphas, but I, I think it makes the most sense. You, you you shut down Jamar and you pray for the best with T. So this is what I'm going to do, okay? So we got to Joe Burrow, one pass yard. That's an obvious over. Cooper Cup, 8.5 receptions. I'm taking the over on that. Cam Akers, 63.5 rush yards. I'm taking the under on that. And then yep. T. Higgins, 73.5 reception yards. I'm taking the over. I'm, pu- I'm putting down 10 bucks to 100. I'm submitting. Nice. And maybe let's go. Let's go. Let's go. All right. So there were the props. There were What's two that? other props that I saw that were goofy that weren't strictly player related, that were game related. Oh, yeah. The first yeah, one game. that I saw was over or under five sacks. I like the over on that. Um, I think that's like total for the game. Total for the game. Yeah. I think that I think was Joe Bur- like legit. I think Joe Burrow is going to get sacked six or seven times. Yeah. Um, looking back to and th- looking back at the um, the divisional game where they played Tampa, there were there were five there were five sacks in that game and i think that i think that um cincinnati's offensive line is slightly worse than tampa bay's offensive line so, <laughs> yeah. so i think that that's a safe play the other one that i saw that was really cool was um was over two and a half unique players to throw a pass and i kind of like the over on that oh interesting so that's basically yeah. you get the two quarterbacks obviously so it's just it's yep. anybody else going to throw a pass odell's going to throw a pass that's, that was that. my thinking. Odell's going to yeah. throw a pass, and then it also gives you a hedge. You know, does Stafford break a shoelace? Does Joe Burrow get a cramp? Um, and anything like that. So there's, I see a lot yeah. of ways where that that kind of that kind of pays. So nice. yeah, I, I liked that one too, that's especially awesome. with the way that Odell passes. And yeah, he's accurate. He, well, I mean, he had that uh, that long one to to Cam in his first or second game back. I want to say so. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that. Yeah. So Bali Bali's. Yeah. Just to go back to the previous conversation, Bolly did grow up an Eagles fan. He's from Cherry Hill, New Jersey, in South nice. Florida now. Ah, okay. 
Love it. My family is originally uh, Delaware County, which is southeastern Pennsylvania. So right there, other side of the other side of the bridge from Bali. There you go. And then Russ is saying Russell, <laughs> Bali's saying Russell Wilson to the Eagles. <laughs> Like I don't buy it. I just don't see the Eagles giving up that much draft capital for for an aging veteran who look love Russ, but I just don't see it happening. That's just not how you win in the NFL. Yeah. I guess um, don't, don't tell I, it to the Rams, but yeah, they well they said Harry Rosen came out and said that he thought that uh, Hertz had earned the the right to be the QB one going into twenty two, which coming from Rosen means absolutely nothing. But I think there's some, I think there's probably something to it. I think they want to probably try and build around them. I mean, and it why makes not? sense. They have the three first-round picks. Just give the guy a chance, man. Just give the guy a chance, which this is a perfect um, segue to go into an underdog pick. So Perfect. I'm going to – you know what? I'm going to rock this. I'm going to rock this. So let's, let's talk about underdog ADPs. Okay. So before we get into this, Mike, I know we've talked about it at length, but let's just for the people, let's talk about a little bit of strategy this year. You're going to be approaching your drafts. Now, granted – the state you live in, unfortunately, doesn't allow sports betting like this, which is cockamamie, frankly. But fortunately, though, Sleeper has loaded in all of their 2022 rookies, and they have best yep. balls live. So a lot of the a lot of the leagues that I'm in, a lot of the group chats, guys are starting up best ball drafts now. So that that's a big that that's a big plus to big props to Sleeper for that. Yeah, no, of course. Again, not Good a sponsor. Job. Maybe they will be. Man, we've been trying to get Sleeper to sponsor a damn show for since they freaking came out. But Sleeper, if you're listening, you know, come give you. us a shout. Hit us up for some uh, business opportunities. Okay. So I think because, because we're talking about Jalen Hurts, let's let's talk about the quarterbacks first. Okay. So mm -hmm. traditional quarterbacks, one QB league. Um, no surprise, Josh Allen is going as the first quarterback off off the board. And it's it's same thing every single year. It's right around that two three turn. So his ADP right now is pick three point two, uh, mm. and then so you got your top quarterbacks with Josh Allen, no surprise, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and then Lamar Jackson. So the fifth quarterback off the board, in my humble opinion, is a little bit egregious. He's going at pick five point eight. He's in a Super Bowl. His name is Joe Burrow. Mike, Oof. don't you think it's an absolute mistake that Joe Burrow? is going to be going as the QB five off the board. When last year alone, Joe Burrow finished as a QB 10 and uh, Cincinnati is still one of the slowest pace. Surprisingly, one of the slowest um, pace of play leagues or teams in the league. Like, uh, do you see this changing much next year after what's worked? I think that what, there, what a, and we will see this when we get to the wide receivers, there is a ton of recency bias in these in these early drafts so they see the way that burrow is lighting it up and they say that's my guy he's going to continue to light it up i think that where if there's logic to this only in that if you believe that he came back early from his acl and he wasn't playing at 100 percent in the first you know the first say six games of the season the back half of his season has been electric so what you're betting yeah. on taking him at wide receiver five because he doesn't have the rushing upside that Jalen hurts as much as it pains me to say it, Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson yeah. do. Um, and even, even somebody like Trey Lance, like they, he doesn't have the rushing up Brandon. I hope, I hope to God you're not listening to this podcast um, <laughs> talking about your boys. Um, but anyway, he doesn't have that rushing upside. So you're betting yeah. on him producing with his arm for all 17 games. That said, 
you saw Tom Brady do it this year. Is Joe Burrow Tom Brady? Absolutely not. Could he could he get there and could he produce at a level similar to that if Cincinnati doesn't really take effective steps in addressing their defense? It's a solid maybe. So uh, while I can see it, I think there's more recency bias baked in than anything else. Um, so I, I think I think top ten he should be top ten. Five yeah. might be a little bit too high. And round five, like the opportunity cost there is just absolutely insane to me. Well, that's um, and, that's and, the and, that's the other thing is how early these quarterbacks are going. Like even even in be- I get I get that like best ball best ball has all sorts of stats win rates based off roster construction. So you know this te- you know teams that build two quarterbacks and I'm just throwing arbitrary numbers out here. Like yeah. there's all sorts of stats you can find two quarterbacks, four running backs, seven wide receivers, two tight ends. <sighs> statistically wins more than than a different team makeup so like yeah you want to get your two or three quarterbacks but like five quarterbacks six quarterbacks going in the first five rounds is egregious like that's you're leaving you're leaving so much talent on the board unnecessarily well well, and especially when you look at okay round eight you can get aaron Rodgers, jalen hurts matthew stafford all going round eight round nine russell wilson justin fields round 10 deshaun watson uh, Kirk Cousins, and that's really where it falls off after that. But if you're, you know, in these single digit rounds, you can wait and get some really elite talent because trust me, round six, round seven, round eight, that's really when the skill positions do start to dry up. And that's when you want to pivot to your quarterback position. You don't want to be taking, look, Josh Allen's good, but do you really want to be taking Josh Allen in round three at the start of round three? To me, that doesn't make any sense. Um, I think it's egregious. And, and just to go back to your previous point, Mike, you're right. Joe Burrow is not Tom Brady. Okay. If you look at the popular sports media, he's better than Tom Brady. He's the best forever is the best or ever was the best or ever will be. That is Joey Burrow. So yeah, recency bias is real people. Okay. So yes. I don't want to dwell too much on this, but a few of the players that, that I do like, of course, Jalen Hurts. I'm always going to go back to my guy. And yes, Bali, I get it. Jalen Hurts can't throw. Okay, fine. He's going as the QB 10 again, and he's going in the middle of the eighth round. To me, like that's that's all day, every day. I'm going to wait and put, grab Jalen Hurts in the middle of the eighth round. To me, that's automatic. Um, if you fade quarterback and you just pretty much go to the double digit rounds, Mike, mm-hmm. and or you know, you, you're going for your upside, your second quarterback, you want to go upside, a guy that I think could have some pretty decent upside in the range. Okay, so let's look at rounds 12, 13, and 15, okay? There's guys like Ryan Tannehill, maybe Tua, Mac Jones. The guy that I like, though, in round 13 for the value is Zach Wilson. I mean, the narrative coming out of college, the reason he was drafted so damn high is because he had that rushing upside. He could do it with his legs. I'm not a Zach Wilson truther by any stretch of the imagination, but for my QB2, um... I think it's it's not out of the realm of possibility that the Jets go and get another wide receiver this year. Um, Denzel Mims is not for real, unfortunately. That was he's been one of the biggest busts of busts right now. That one hurts, right? But yeah, you got Elijah Moore, you got Michael Carter who can catch the ball, which means fantasy points for the quarterback. And oh, I guess I guess he can he can throw. So, what, how do you feel about Zach Wilson as your QB two in the thirteenth round? I'm fine with it. I think, and this might be gross to say, but I almost think that I would rather have Tua as my QB two okay. around earlier. I mean, they're, they're, you're talking QB nineteen, QB twenty, both of them QB twenty, QB twenty one, right yeah. around there. So <clears throat> it's not like we're arguing top five. 
I no, just we're arguing that, the back end of QB twos essentially. Yeah, yeah. So I just I, I think that uh, looking at what McDaniel did with Jimmy G, who is you know who has carried that team to victory, quote unquote, carried that team to victory. Yeah, he is not as talented a passer as Tua is. I think that you're going to see McDaniel do a lot of stuff. They're going to he's going to figure out ways to do good things with the talent that's around Tua. And I think that you know we're going to kind of see why tank for Tua was a thing. No one ever tanked for Jimmy G, but people were tanking for Tua. <laughs> yeah, dude. I think that you know what that's. I don't hate that. I don't hate that. What about Mac Jones, who's sandwiched right between those two players? To me, I just don't think there's any upside with Mac Jones. Like they don't I mean, have a lot of yak wide receivers on the team. Like they just, he's just okay. I mean, are you getting vanilla when you got like, you know, Rocky road right there? I mean, you got like, exactly. Yes. Tua, Tua has the upside. Mac is they're going to protect Mac Jones. Bill Belichick has zero qualms about throwing three times in a game to try and win yeah. and running 444 times in a single game. So like it, <clears throat> I, I get like, I, I get it. And I, I can see the play. Like I, I think that Mac Jones is a fine QB too. But when you're talking about Mac Jones sandwiching between Tua and Zach Wilson, again, only a half around higher. Give me Tua. One okay. Two last questions for you. Okay. Um, now I know you haven't dove too deep into the rookies this I'm year. There. I'm getting there. The first rookie quarterback coming off the board in in these drafts in round 15, 15, 10 to be exact. So pretty much like there's only twenty rounds in these best balls. So this is like the bottom of the barrel. It's Malik Willis. I saw that. Yeah. Quarterback off the board. That one to me is interesting. Now here's, here's the thing with Malik Willis. I'm on record of saying, I don't think he's a starter in year one. Okay. Mm -mm. So depending on the team that he goes to, if he gets drafted to a team, like, I don't know, say the Steelers, there is a real possibility he could start. But if he goes ahead of this, uh, ahead of the Steelers, they don't trade up because they're at pick 20. And he goes to a team where he has an opportunity to sit on the bench for a year and learn, which I think is what he needs. It's not the worst pick for an upside, but I think that's kind of a trap. I mean, look, round 15 is all upside at that point. So if you take the pick, I don't hate it. But, I mean, we saw some of the rookies going last year, right around round 10 or 11. So if you think that people were taking chances on Justin Fields last year, on Trey Lance last year, around, the 10, around 10, 11, I think in round 15 – it's it's a it's a decent upside play. What do you what do you think? Yeah, I think so. Um, where's where's Pickett going? Uh, I'm I'm straight analog. I got I got yeah, paper he's, he's round That's 18. what I'm looking at. Yeah, he's so, going round uh, 18. He's basically like a QB 29. You, you would go Kenny Pickett. I think if I'm taking a flyer on, and again, this this all depends on his pro day and his pro day and his combine and everything like that. But just based off of. I really thought that there would be more stink on him coming out of the senior bowl <clears throat> about how he, how he performed on Wednesday, but it didn't seem like there was, I think the consensus was that Wednesday was a bad weather day and everybody performed poorly. So it, it, I, well, the hand thing might not be an issue. It might be, it might not be an issue, but so, he's so here's, for somebody. Here's the thing. About that? That, okay. There were some like Desmond Ritter performed pretty well. Now we know how I feel about Desmond Ritter. I think he's not, he's not around one talent, but Desmond Ritter did perform well. He's got 10 inch hands. <laughs> which is insane. Um, yeah. And Malik Willis had a good, had a good practice on Wednesday. So it wasn't that some that all the players played shitty. It was the guy who allegedly, cause he didn't get his hands, uh, his hands measured has eight and one quarter inch hands, which yeah. for those of you uh, watching at home, no quarterback has started in the NFL in the last 10 years with hands smaller than nine inches. So he would be an outlier. And if he goes to an outdoor team, man, that's going to be a problem. 
We yeah. saw it with James Winston. He was electric throwing, what was it, like 30, 35 odd touchdowns, but he also had that many interceptions and he lost his starting job. If a quarterback turns the ball over, which there is serious risk of fumbling, look at Jared Goff, right, with small hands, it, it's a problem. So I'm just throwing it out there that it risk it, to me, it's, it's too risky. I, but he had a great Tuesday and a Thursday practice and he was perfect in the game. So uh, he wins games. That one to me is tough. That one to me is tough. But yeah, let's let's move on. Let's talk about the sexy players, okay? And all right, Ooh. so you have officially, Mike, taken over the the reign of the wet blanket on the show with Alan no longer recording regularly. With us. <laughs> okay, the so worst part is Alan, Alan and I line up pretty similarly on our takes and stuff. Like I'll be yeah. I'll be arguing with you and Brandon in the group chat, and I'll text Alan on the side and be like, "What do you think?" And he lines. He usually bang on, of course, absolutely. Me. I mean, I love it's it, and this this is perfect, actually. This is lining up perfect because just on Twitter this morning, as I was scrolling, I saw Al uh, giving people shit about taking Christian McCaffrey at one point two overall. Actually, one guy's hot take was that if if you're not taking Christian McCaffrey one hundred one in your drafts, you're doing it wrong. You're doing and it wrong. Al obviously was against that. I'm against that. Christian McCaffrey, ladies and gentlemen, is your ADP of 1.2, which means Jonathan Taylor is going off the board. And then in more often in more drafts than not, Christian McCaffrey is going off the board at, at pick 1.2. I mean, we got We're beating this take to death, Mike, but we got to talk about it again. Tell me why that's a mistake for people. So I think there's two reasons that I think it's a mistake. So either you are saying that he's going to stay healthy for all 17 games. I don't think that that's true. He hasn't done if for you two think years. He hasn't done for two years, and I'll get into that a little bit more in a second. If you think he's going to stay healthy for all 17 games, the only path forward I see to that is, is them decreasing his workload. So I think he's going to have to go from a 300-touch season guy or 330 down to 170, 180. So, so even if he performs at the same level, even if he's still putting up you know, 30 – so say say he goes say he scales back he scales yep. back to sixty seven percent two thirds of his workload he goes from you know from twenty twenty seven points a game back down to eighteen points a game that's fine um, I'm going to do some quick math here um, eight so he gets you eighteen points a game over seventeen games that's that's three hundred points that that'll do it I don't see that as being I don't see that as being the range of the realistic range of outcomes I think they scale his workload back and I think he still gets dinged up so he played seven games this year he averaged he averaged a decent number of points in those games but I just don't see eighteen point two games average per game yeah. And that was that was this year with that full workload. So yes, he yep. has thirty points as his ceiling. He's probably one of the only the only people in the NFL, quarterbacks included, who you know who you can count on on games where he's going to get a full workload will get you thirty points. I just don't think it is responsible for Carolina to give him that full workload. So unless unless they're just going to ride him through the end of this contract, but he's not on the field. Him being on the field presents more mismatch issues and presents more schematic issues for defenses than him being on the sideline. So even if he's not going to get the ball, even if he's a decoy, you still have to account for him because of how explosive he is. So of course. I think the path forward is, you know, is 16 touches a game and, you know, 14 points a game. 
which is fine, but it's not it's not 1.2. Not no. when you have Cooper Cup up there, Austin Eckler, Derrick Henry, Jamar Chase, Tyreek Hill. Not when those guys are going around him. Like I think that he's he's for me he's more of a mid tier. He's he's a back end one, high end two. So this is really a conversation. This is really a question, I should say, about DeAndre Swift, right? Isn't that what this question is? Is yeah. would you rather take Christian McCaffrey at one point two? Or DeAndre Swift going to 2.6. We talked about it a month ago, I want to say. And I said, I think that Christian McCaffrey should be valued right around the mid to late second round. So right where DeAndre Swift is going. Um, yeah. You compare their profiles. You compare their potential rushing work, not, not in the passing game, right? They both received close to six uh, targets per game in the air. So that, to me, is going to... I think that's going to continue for CMC. But last year... We saw that DeAndre Swift had, as I pull it up here, he had only 11.6 carries per game versus CMC's 14 carries per game. I think that 11 carries per game with six targets is pretty realistic for Christian McCaffrey, right? It's right around that 15, mm -hmm. 16 touches slash targets per game. I think that's realistic. And if you're getting Christian McCaffrey in the middle of the second round, boom, I'm on board, man. I'm on board. But as the 1.2, it's egregious. Yeah. And so I, I mentioned I'm in three drafts. In my three drafts, he went 1 1.2, 1 1.3, 1 1.4. Good Lord. Drafts. So, yeah, I know. It's insane. But look. These early drafts are soft. The rooms are soft. But you know what's crazy, Mike? Is that typically it's it's the, it's the sharks, right, that are trying to get in early. But I don't know if that's necessarily the case. Um, so that I find that I found that interesting. Um, Javante Williams is going as the 2.1 RB7 off the board. I still, I mean, look. I love Javante Williams. I think it goes without question. Like the fantasy community, we love Javante Williams, right? The question becomes, what is his usage going to be? Is it going to be a timeshare? Is it going to be a 50-50 split with, whether it's Melvin Gordon or another insert running back here? Do you really think that Javante Williams, who has never had a full workload in his entire career, right? In, in, in At UNC, he had Michael Carter. It was pretty much a 50-50 split there. And it works for this guy, right? When when Javante is on the field, every touch is electric. Do you really think the Broncos coaching staff is going to come in and say, you know what, Javante, you've never done it before, but we like your talent. We're going to give you 80% of the touches, and we're just going to bring a Jag in as your backup. Do you think that's realistic? Because that's what it's going to require to go to get the value at 2.1 or at the 1-2 turn, because he's obviously going earlier at the average. So I, so I don't know that this is about him as much as it's about the guys that are that are back behind him. Um, yeah. and I think that, I think that what you're hedging on DeAndre Swift is, I, I, to me, it makes sense to take DeAndre Swift ahead of him. Um, I, I would be comfortable with that, but I mean, you got Nick Chubb and Alvin Kamara right back there. We yeah. know that New Orleans is going to be a hot mess. And we know that Chubb for right now is, is in a straight up timeshare with, with Kareem Hunt. So as of right now, the, the sticky thing is Jamal Williams or Javante Williams is still in that timeshare. We don't know what's going to happen with Melvin Gordon. He could come back. He could not come back. Um, yep. You know, this is a new coaching staff and a new GM that didn't bring the, the GM was last year, but um, they didn't bring Melvin Gordon in. They inherited him. So do they let him rot? Do they let him ride off into the sunset and go somewhere like Buffalo where he could be where he could be, you know, play a more prominent role? Maybe. Like I, I don't know. I think that what what drafters are hedging on right now is is Gordon walking and the coaching staff giving Javante, you know, two thirds to two thirds to three quarters of the workload. 
I, I want to see it. Let's, look, I have a ton of Javante Williams in Dynasty, so I really want that to happen. Um, yeah. I was drafting him. He was going, what, end of the first round last year? The Superflex mm-hmm. League's running on the 110, yeah. 111. And uh, great value. So I hope it happens. But I just, I'm not willing to pay a 2.1 overall pick when you've got guys like Joe Mixon, DeAndre Swift, Nick Chubb, Alvin Kamara is probably going to miss some games, maybe a couple games based off what happened in Vegas. But I don't know. The upside's still there. Yeah. Um, or wait, Antonio Gibson is going at the 3.1. Cam Akers, 3.3. Like Those are guys that I'd much rather go for. Even early second round, I would be willing to pay up for those guys. Um, I mean, so I think where, that's with interesting. Where, with where these ADPs are going, you could realistically start Najee Harris and A.J. Brown as your RB1 and wide receiver one. And that's, that's not sick. bad. Like that, that. that is sick. Yeah. 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 I, I kind of, I like that. I like that almost more than going, you know, so if you're with where he's going, these people, a lot of these folks are taking, you know, starting Devante and Javante or Debo and Javante, which, which is fine, but I would, I would rather go. I, I think in that situation, I would probably go with a, if you're going to take a, a wide receiver there, I, I like Devante or Debo, but I would, I might jump, I might leapfrog Devante for a DeAndre Swift or somebody like that, or just take another another wide receiver and then wait until, you know, wait until the, the three, four turn. Okay. I'm going to talk about some of these guys that I think are, are decent values. I mean, so traditionally we talk about that quote dead zone running back. That's usually around mm-hmm. 3.5 to like round seven. That's considered the dead zone, but there's actually a few dead zone quote running backs that I like. So Cam Akers, he's right around that cusp at 3.3. I love Cam Akers at that spot. Um, But Elijah Mitchell is going at 5.1. And my boy, man, I love. That's insane. Yeah. Travis Etienne is going at 5.3. Travis Etienne is is DeAndre Swift. They're the same person. I think that's insane upside. Now, obviously, um, I did a tweet or I I get, I guess, like a TikTok on, on Travis Etienne a little while back. And uh, there's there's obviously some question marks there, right? Like we know James Robinson's good, but he got hurt in the last year. The new coaching staff, Doug Peterson hates hates running backs. So is he going to go and deploy Travis Etienne like the first round talent that he was drafted as, or is he going to do more with timeshare? I mean, we know historically you, you're an Eagles fan, so it's just it's mm-hmm. it's, it's mind numbing when they, when they've got some solid uh, running backs that just aren't getting the touches. But Travis Etienne at five point three, um, Michael Carter at six point three. Leonard Fournette at 7.4, and then way at the end, 9.5, Isaiah Spiller, rookie. First of all, how do you feel about some of those players at, at those spots? Uh, uh, don't forget Josh Jacobs at 5.8 in there. Oh, Josh Jacobs at 5. Yeah, 5.9. Uh, 5. Damn. that's I like that. Yeah. And then yeah, also, so, so look at the uh, sweet spot, man. Okay, round Zeke five. Zeke at, oh, at 4.8 as well. Okay, I had that on my on my question mark for you. Okay, so let's let's talk about that. Okay, so we got Zeke at four point eight, Elijah Mitchell at five point one, Travis Etienne at five point three, Josh Jacobs at five point nine, and then rookie phenom Brees Hall at five twelve. Last year, some of these top like Najee Harris was going in the mid third round, which in hindsight was actually pretty it was worth it. But yeah, Brees Hall five twelve. I kind of. Round five seems like a nice little spot for running backs, man. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I think that I think that my build this year, and honestly, there'll probably be a lot of sharp, a lot of sharp drafters that are on this. Is I'm going to go workhorse RB early. So, like, if I can give me give me an Eckler, give me a JT, give me a Najee Harris, give me the locked in guaranteed volume, um, and 
And then what I'll, I'll probably load up wide receiver behind that. So I'll go, I'll go, you know, wide receiver round two, wide receiver round three, probably wide receiver in four, and then come back and hit running back in five. I think I'm going to be living in the RB dead zone this year, just because the value makes sense. Man, you can go and you can get like a, like an Elijah Mitchell, Travis Etienne, or Josh Jacobs in round five. Come back at Michael Carter, Leonard Fournette, round six, round seven. Like, I, I don't hate that. It's, it's, and, and here's the thing. I'm, I'm starting, the reason I like to do these drafts so early is because I like to get a feel about, okay, if I go one way, which way do I like? So I've, I've done uh, two balanced teams so far and then one RB heavy team. Um, l- l- how do you feel about this? Okay. So I went, uh, I had the 101. So I went JT at 101. And then at the 2 3 mm-hmm. turn, I could not resist going Antonio Gibson Cam Akers. So I went, I tripled up on the running back thinking okay i'm 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 still gonna be able to get a decent wide receiver come around the four or five turn the problem is, is that when i got there i found that, like the player that i wanted the most was travis Etienne. but if you're drafting four straight running backs that's got that's, that's automatically suboptimal because only three of those running backs can actually cash every single week for you so at that point i pivoted and i went tyler lockett which uh, I don't know. I, I feel like he could have blow up games. And then I went Chris Godwin because Chris Godwin, he had the ACL, but he should in theory be ready for week one of the NFL season. So there's some risk there and I don't love it. I don't love that build now. I love how I started with the three running backs, but I don't love that build. So should I have gone uh, Mike, maybe other cam makers or Antonio Gibson, pick your poison and then maybe go like a Deontay Johnson, a T Higgins, one of those players going right around those those uh, two three turn, or even I could go and uh, I could have drafted a tight end. Um, uh, let's see here. Uh, where is I'm just checking here. Where Mark Andrews is going is at the two eleven. Okay, so I might not might not have had him, but Kyle Pitts would have been available. I could have gone. You know, what would you have preferred? I've been doing a lot of talking here. What do you think? Did, I I think I made a mistake, right? And that's why I do these things to learn. It's there's still lots of drafting. You still go get wide receivers, but what do you think about that? Could you pass I mean, up I think those that, running backs? I, I don't I don't think that you can. And I I had a I had a draft where I ended up with my three of my first four was it three of my first four? Three of my first five because it was super flex. I ended up with Dalvin Cook, Antonio Gibson, and I took Javante Williams a little bit earlier. And I, I didn't like the way that that team came out, but I think if I had to go and do it again, I would probably do it again because okay. the, because the value was suggesting that that was, that was the way to go. Like I make a, I, I, and a lot of times in dynasty startups, I'm, I'm loading wide receiver when other people are loading up running back and tight end, I'll load running back when everybody else is loading wide receiver. So if the board presents itself to you that way, like figure it out on the back end. There's there's PPR guys that you can that you can fill back in with yes. that will be able to fill out a week for you. So like, what, Jacoby Myers is going what mm. 135. You know Braxton Berrios, where he's probably going. I think he's going in like the the mid to late teen rounds. You know I think that you look at guys that can fill in, and what you're looking for those guys is eight, ten, twelve point weeks. That's completely doable when these guys are getting six, seven, eight targets a week. Like. I think one week Braxton Barrios had like nine catches for 26 <laughs> yards, which is still 11.6 yeah. points, but like that, that gets you comfortably in the wide receiver two flex range. So, you know, and if you get, you have your blow up weeks from these, you know, you're, if you have three RB ones on your team, 
like three guys that that can be in the RB one conversation week in and week out. I think it makes yeah. you it makes you a really tough team to take down, especially when you don't have to set a lineup. All you need those guys to do is just produce points. So <clears throat> I, yeah. I don't. I'm not going to say it was the wrong move because I don't think that. I think that the whether or not it's the wrong move is yet to be determined based off how you build out the back end of your roster. Are there pivots you could have made? 100% there's pivots you could have made. But I, I think that it's as long as you build out the back end the right way and you beat your – what you're going to end up having to do is taking safer wide receivers when you yep. want to take shots on rookies. And that's where it's going to end up going. Like you would probably love to take a shot on on a, a Kenneth Walker, but you're probably going to have to take somebody like a Jacoby Myers or somebody like that who can ba- who has a baked-in floor rather than the ceiling. Yeah. Because you took so- your ceiling early. Okay, I like that. So there you go. See, I I haven't I've, I haven't had my next picks yet, so there's still you know time to go and figure out my roster on that one. But I I, I couldn't pass it up. Jacoby Myers, I have on two out of my three teams, which means on those two other teams, I got Jacoby. He's going to ten point eight. I mean, we've talked about it at length. We're not going to talk about it again today. But he's basically yeah. Hunter Renfro with such touchdowns. So you get mm-hmm. six, seven touchdowns in a season, he's going to totally outlive his ADP. Or outperform his yeah. ADP. So let's talk about the wide receivers then. Uh, Jam- Cooper Cup is, of course, going as the top wide receiver off the board, followed by Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson. The first round is interesting. It's six running backs and six wide receivers, okay? Uh, yeah. So I'm not going to talk about that. Uh, to me, the first two rounds, I don't really have an issue with any of those ADPs. Round three, though, the first wide receiver off the board is Jalen Waddell. And, man, I got burned by Brandon Ayuk in 2021 because i thought okay this guy is for real and i i still like brendan Ayuk, right but this year his adp is closer to his adp 610 which is i think a much nicer spot than what it was last year but jalen waddle going in at 3.4 as a wide receiver 11 off the board to me that's high yeah i mean you, you I'm look taking at the guys that you look at the guys that are back there behind him, and there's a ton of uncertainty. So the guys that are behind him, wide receivers, you got DeAndre Hopkins, Keenan Allen, Deontay Johnson, Terry McLaurin, and Calvin Ridley. Those are the guys going back behind him. Yeah. Honestly, I might take. I, I, I kind of prefer DJ Moore over Jalen Waddle, and this is that. That's a little hot takey, but yeah. DJ Moore is only 24 years old. The guy is posted with terrible quarterbacks, and you think the one thing that Carolina has to get right this offseason is their quarterback or Matt rules on the hot seat. So I would tend to believe that, you know, that David Tepper and Matt rule would kind of get that figured out. And if you think that, then you're, you know, you buy the, you buy the bounce on DJ Moore. Dude. Okay. So DJ Moore is going at 4.5. So full round after Jalen Waddle. I love that. Yeah. Give me, give me a round of value there. Yeah. Do you remember just, just, Close your eyes and think of the first month of the 2021 season. DJ Moore was lighting the NFL on fire because Sam Darnold was actually producing as a quarterback. We're like, holy shit, yeah. like is Sam Darnold good? Is he good? He wasn't. Yeah. Well, he, he wasn't. He was for he, he was not. No, yeah. Uh sorry, Brandon. Uh earmuffs, brother. I, we just gotta tell Brandon, just don't listen to this show. We're just gonna shit on all of his favorite players. But um just I would download say, so we get the clout. Don't listen. Yeah, exactly. Man, can, can Carolina just get a damn quarterback? Because when, when he had a semi-competent quarterback, DJ Moore was on fire. He was like the top three wide receiver in the first month of the season because he was actually getting some touchdowns. The man doesn't score yeah. touchdowns. I think he had, what, four on the season after all was said and done, which is just atrocious. Just atrocious. And it's just an embarrassment, frankly. Get your shit together, Carolina. Anyways. And he's only 24. Which he's is only 24. Because he's... Because he's been in the league for 15 years, but he's only 24. 
I like DeAndre Hopkins going to 3.7. I think that's a screaming value. I mean, people talk about recency bias, man. And look, you're you're notably down on Kyler this year. Uh, his ADP, by the way, is the quarterback six. I think you have him as your seventh ring quarterback. So, yeah. I mean, maybe Mike knows what the hell he's doing. I'm just saying, just saying. Mm-hmm. Although Joey B, he he ain't he is supposed to be QB five. Anyways, okay. My, I like I think, DeAndre Hopkins middle of third round. I like Hopkins more as a two than a one. I feel more yeah, comfortable he, in, in the third round. A he's a two, man. He's going as a wide receiver 13. That makes yeah. him a, well, a, a wide receiver two. Well, so I think it, again, this, this depends on your build. So if you, and I did this, in, I did this in the league and it ended up biting me, but so you could theoretically go with where, you, with where these ADPs are, t- are taking you right now. You could end up with, you could so end Justin up with Jefferson's the one seven. You yeah. got the three, seven coming back with uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, so you you could take Justin Jefferson, DeAndre Swift, DeAndre DeAndre Hopkins. That's not a bad start. I no, would take man. that. I would love that start. Or or I if mean, you want to if you want to go r- running back in the first round, you can go with Najee Harris at one eight. Come yeah. back, get Stephon Diggs or AJ Brown, then come back we, and and get uh, Hop. Like that's not so bad, yeah. man. You could also go. You could go Najee, Diggs, Hop. DJ Moore, uh, and then Josh Jacobs or somebody like that. Like, there's there's a bunch of sexy builds in there. So I like it, it. It it all depends on how you're going to do it. Yeah, one of the things we tweeted out when we went I went over on a show last year, Mike was kind of like the first five rounds building at each spot. So I, I sent out uh, like a link to a just like a Google sheet that I prepared, and if you draft it at pick one, here's a nice little build for you based on ADPs. Pick two, oh, yeah, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. So I did that last year. And I think we'll, we'll do that again probably around maybe mid-July, August for, for redraft season. But I think that it's really good to go out and, and build these scenarios in your brain because depending on where you're picking from, you can get a strategy early. Like you know that, okay, I, I can go wide receiver in the first round because I'm going to get these two or three running backs within this you know range of outcomes in round three, round four, round five. I think that's so important to go through the narratives in your head. But um, uh, okay. I want to finish the conversation here on wide receiver. Um, and then we'll talk very quickly about tight end and we'll, we'll call it a show. I mean, we said we were going to do 30 minutes. We're now in 50 minutes. It's fantastic. I think. Okay. I blame myself. It's all. I love it. And we're doing good here. Okay. So I like Amari Cooper at round at pick four, nine, and then Elijah Moore at four twelve, and then Tyler Lockett at four ten is about right. So end of the fourth round, first of all, do you think Amari Cooper's got one season left in him or do you think he's gone? He's out. That's it. He's on the decline. No, I think he has. I think he has one season left. Dak loves Amari Cooper. I think so. Gallops, too. Gallops, the guy that's gone. Well, and the thing too is that in in, in one draft where I where I drafted Amari Cooper, I ended up getting uh, Dak Prescott a couple rounds later to get that stack. Oh, and that's nice. a nice cheap yeah. stack. Last year you were paying up for that stack. This year it's it's far more affordable. Elijah Moore four twelve man. So we talked at the very start of the show. Zach Wilson is an upside wide receiver or upside quarterback in round what was it thirteen. If you can go Elijah Moore and then as your QB two goes Zach Wilson. I think that's that's a smart play because chances are if Elijah Moore has the season that we think he can have, uh, Zach Wilson's going to have a pretty decent season as well. So, I, I do think that's a fair price for Elijah. He was he was neck and neck with Amon Ross St. Brown before he went out with before he he what he he in the season on IR I guess it was either hamstring or COVID or something or maybe both like he got both, he just yeah. yeah he got he got hit hard but. I, I think, yeah, I think that that's in the back of the fourth round. I like that. Well, okay. So Elijah Moore, 412, or is going on. Yeah. So they're back to back. Elijah Moore is going at the 412. 
Amon Ra St. Brown's going to 5-2. I think that's early for Amon Ra. Same thing, you're paying, you're paying for that volume. So, like, hands, we agree then, right? Like, the right choice there is Elijah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, we, we, we have to talk about this. Okay, Gabriel Davis going at the 6-9. That's egregious, right? Do we need to read off the yeah. stats again? We read them off on Tuesday. On Tuesday, no, so we no, need no, to read no, off the stats again for Gabriel Davis and why it's a mistake. Yeah, no, we don't. No, we don't have to. We don't. We don't no. need to read. We don't need to read. It, it, it is a mistake. And again, that's that recency bias built in. He's going yeah. ahead of. He's going ahead of Odell Beckham. He's going ahead of Jerry Judy. He's going ahead of Robert Woods. He's going okay, ahead of Tony Bateman, Claypool. Yeah. Like it's, it's just. I, I, I get it. I get it. You you want to draft him, but you don't have to. <laughs> Obviously, you do have to draft him that early. But if that's where he's going, I'm not going to have a lot of him. Unfortunately, I'm zero. I'm going to have zero Gabriel Davis this year. Zero. I have and a lot of him because I picked him up off the scrap heap in the off season before his rookie year. That's Dynasty, why I have yeah. a lot of him. Yeah, in Dynasty, absolutely, but not at not at six rounds. Jesus, I got him last year on one of my teams. I acquired him for the three point one. And this year he's going for like the 1.7, 1.8. I've seen people talk about in draft. Like that's just insane to me. Dude, I, I would sell insane. that all. I would sell that all day. If you have Gabriel Davis, people just go out there and like test the water, see what you can get for him. Because I guarantee you, it's going to be better than what he's worth. Okay. Last but not least, let's talk about tight end. Okay. So last year Travis Kelsey was pretty firmly at like the 1.6, 1.7. Um, this year he's going at 2.3 as the first tight end off the board. Mm-hmm. Then you got Mark Andrews at 2.11. Kyle Pitts at 3-6, George Kittle 3-11, and Darren Waller 3-12. Are there any guys there that you're okay going and drafting and spending that draft capital on early? No. I I, I mock all the time taking tight end early, and I always hate how my team comes out. Yeah. I, mo- I mock against algorithms. I mock against against actual human beings. I mock against guys I know. I mock against guys and girls I don't know. And I never like how my team comes out. And regardless of what I do, I always end up streaming tight end. I'll take my first tight end usually in round nine, somewhere around there. And it starts to get, you know, even if you jump a little bit earlier, where did I see Dallas Goddard was going? Dallas Goddard's going in the seventh. Like, I mean, he's... That that guy's gonna that guy's gonna put up numbers. So you get down, you get down into the double digit rounds. You can get you get Gasecki in round ten. You get Zach Ertz in round ten. Um, yeah, well, round ten is where the rounds ten is where they go off the board. In round ten, you got Fryermuth, Noah Fant, Mike Jacecki, and Zach Ertz all going around ten. The guy that I love, and I I, I put a, a nice little TikTok out on this guy too. I like Cole Komet at, at round twelve, twelve point one. Yeah, and as long as Jimmy Graham isn't there to hog all those touchdowns. If Cole Komet goes out and gets, he finishes like, I want to say the the, uh, the tight end 12. So he was just on the back end of his tight end one, and he had like two touchdowns last year. If he can get five or six touchdowns, and then just, again, Justin Fields takes another step forward, I think Cole Komet is a nice target late, especially if you fade tight end. Yeah, I I, I always do. And honestly, like, I the, the tight, if you pay attention, nobody pays attention to tight end. So if you actually pay attention to tight end, it's not that difficult to stream it and put together a low end yeah. tight end one season. Even in a half PPR, I streamed. I think I I think I started the season with Tyler Higby as the tight end that I ended up drafting. And in the beginning of the season, he didn't know who did I who did I I think I took Cole Komet as my as my tight did, end okay, that yeah. I ended up drafting. I waited, 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 and I still ended up the tight end that I streamed together on a points per game basis ended up being tight end eight. So it's possible if you do it. If you do it's it, absolutely right, possible. You pay yeah. to it. it's absolutely possible. So that so last but not least, the last guy I want to talk to you about 
he's a rookie tight end. And I, we always say do not draft rookie tight ends, but he's going around 15, 15.8 to be exact. Trey McBride. Trey McBride is like a good Pat Fryermuth. Okay. So if you guys were happy with Pat Fryermuth's rookie season, I think Trey McBride has that real upside. And if, if you fade the hell out of tight end, you go Cole Command as your tight end one, and then you want to come back in round 15 and go get Trey McBride. I don't think that's the worst decision because Trey McBride is going to be an NFL starter in year one. He's probably going to go round one. I think he's going to get the round one draft capital and he's a really good player. So around 15, you could do a hell of a lot worse because you got Evan Ingram, Dan Arnold, David and Joku going around him, Irv Smith. Oh, I don't mind Irv, but we got to see it first, right? So if you absolutely whiff and you totally punt tight end, Trey McBride, middle of eighth, uh, middle of the 15th round, I think is an absolute steal there. So yes. let's end it there, Mike. 90 Trey McBride, 95 passing grade from PFF. The man went for 1,125 yards this year. He's a monster. He's an absolute yeah. monster, man. Yeah, in a COVID, he went for 1,100 yards. In a COVID short in 2020 season, Colorado State only played four games. He had 70% of his team's receiving yards. Yeah. Like the offense went through this guy. He had a, yeah, in 2021, his last season, he had a 34% target share. The man knows how to catch. He had 90 receptions on 134 targets, 1121 receiving yards, averaged 12.46 yards per reception, 34% target share, and a 67% catch down rate. He only had one touchdown, but fuck, man. That's variance. Those will come. I like Trey McBride. If he played in the ACC or the SEC, he would be talked about the same way that Kyle Pitts had been talked about. Ooh, that's bold. I like that. I love that. <laughs> All right, brother. Okay, so final pick. Who who you got winning the game tomorrow? I have I, I'm going with I'm going with Cincinnati. I have to. I think that I think it's love gonna it. look like it's over at halftime. Um I don't think that McVay is gonna make the adjustments like they like they never do. I think that the Cincinnati is gonna make the adjustments. They're gonna come back. Cincinnati is gonna win on a field goal in overtime. Man, special teams matter. They've mattered so yeah. much this uh, this off or this uh, playoff season. I keep going back and forth. Again, I, I think I'm going to be cheering for the Bengals, but I want a good game. You know what? Fuck it, Mike. Uh, let's double down. Let's double down. I'm going to go officially. I'm locking in my pick. I'm going to go. Cincinnati Bengals are going to win 27-24 against those LA Rams. Where do the good people find Hammer. you? Hammer, Hammer, baby. Where do the good people find you, Mike? Find me on Twitter at Mike underscore Dickinson. Talking shit. Talking shit every single day. Of course, I'm Flex Shane. You can follow me on Twitter at the Flex Network One. So, for Mike, for Brandon, for Flex Matt, when he likes to show up, I'm Flex Shane, and we are Flex. This is the Flex Network. (laughs) This is the Flex Network. Flex on them. Flex on everybody. This right here is the Flex Network. Yeah.